Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of Working on the Dad Pod. Uh, I am Ethan, and as always, is my co-host Alex. Uh, let's get to work. Alex, how are you doing? I am doing well. It is well. I, I should say I'm doing okay. It yeah. is the night of the NBA draft. Your Lakers right. have just selected with the 17th pick, but my Hornets mm. had the. You know, I, I live in Florida. Is everybody? who's listened to this podcast probably knows, but I am from North Carolina originally. So I'm a Hornets fan. Um, As a refresher, as Alex mentioned, uh, my Lakers just picked, uh, but I live in the DC area and uh, Alex and I actually met at the university of Miami. I am wearing our Miami shirt, trying to bring some good luck to our boys, Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller. Hopefully they both uh, get drafted tonight and uh, take our final four season into the NBA. So back, you and the horn horn dogs. <laughs> um, the, the the Hornets, you know, I <laughs> right, had the second overall pick. This is going to be old news by the time you listen to this. We're not breaking anything, but they took Brandon Miller from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting pick. I would have yeah. gone Scoot Henderson. I think he is the guy. I am firmly of the belief, being a longtime Hornets Bobcats fan. Right, I won't say the lifetime because there was mm-hmm. actually a period of time where I was a Lakers fan because there wasn't a Charlotte franchise. That's true. But yeah. other than that, um, you know, I just feel like they consistently mess up top picks, and so I've been convinced for a long time that whether it was Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, whoever they didn't pick, whoever went third, was going to be the better player. So. I thought Scoot would be the better player coming into the draft, and now I'm convinced he will be because he mm-hmm. didn't get selected. Uh, but they got Brandon Miller, who, you know, I, I watched him play in college, watched him play in the NCAA tournament. The guy's athletic. He can shoot. He can do a lot of things on the court, off the court. Yeah. He can do a lot of things, too. <laughs> so that'll be interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I think we were talking a little bit before this. I think the – the book is pretty closed on the the murder that happened at the University of Alabama. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not really here to speculate on who should be charged or what charges sure. or what justice should look like for that. Because yeah. frankly, I am pretty uninformed on the issue intentionally. Sure. Um, so all I wanted to say, all I wanted to say on that is like the Hornets had a choice between essentially two players. There was Scoot Henderson, who everybody else seemed to think was the second best, and from everything I read, was a lot more of a um, a sexy piece in any potential trades that the mm-hmm. Hornets uh, could have done. He was much right. more attractive to other teams. So yeah. it's it's also just kind of like you know, like like I'm not going to say whether or not you know. Uh, the judgment passed on Brandon Miller is uh, correct or incorrect, but you basically had a choice between the guy everyone else thinks is good who didn't potentially supply a murder weapon, a gun or the guy you're the only one who thinks is good and might've given a gun to a friend to kill somebody. You know what I mean? It's just like, I'm um, you and I uh, not only are friends from college, uh, but we're also both have um, public relations, um, experience in our jobs, um, in what we do. So just like from a PR standpoint, I feel like Scoot Henderson was a hundred percent the way to go. Um, but you know, that's just me. 
I think that from a PR perspective, the Brandon Miller off-court issues is mm -hmm. probably – I didn't see it in a lot of the pre-draft coverage, right? True, I didn't true. see that. I, I, I think, I think that's that like Jalen Carter from Georgia in the NFL draft. That now, was a lot more prevalent. That, right, but it was a lot more – it was a lot closer to the draft, right? True, 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 true. It was a lot closer yeah. to the draft. A lot of new information came out. And I think, as you know, with news cycles, when new information comes out, it brings things back to the forefront. And mm -hmm. if something comes out in that murder case, you know, I am always, I always have been team, let justice be served, even if it's a detriment to my team. It is the... Even easier to say that when my team in this <laughs> specific scenario is a garbage franchise true, just, true. On, just on the win-loss column, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't trust them to do anything. Jordan is selling the team, but, like, as much as, you know, whether he's, he's the greatest of all time in your opinion, he's the second greatest, he's top five, whatever you think, yeah. he's probably on your Mount Rushmore of basketball players. He is whatever the opposite of the Mount Rushmore of owners is. He's down there, you know. He's just <laughs> ahead of guys like Donald Sterling, right? Who who were actually criminal, right? right. Yeah. And, well, um, you know, uh, who was that? Who was that guy that just had to sell the Suns? He was a bad dude yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Look, like yeah. He's, he's a step above that, where he's <laughs> he's just incompetent. Yeah. And so, as much as. I grew up loving Michael Jordan. I am not sad to see him leave his majority state. He's still going to be there. He's still a minority yeah. owner. But yeah, yeah I, it's, it's, it's one of those where when you have lived through a team picking a Mecca Okafor and Adam Morrison <laughs> and Cody Zeller with top five picks and Michael Kidd Gilchrist and just like, a who's who of mm -hmm. guys that never made it with with yeah. these top five selections or watching Chris Paul go third and then they get Raymond Felton as the consolation mm -hmm. prize with the fifth pick. It's 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 been a lot of that. But um, yeah. and yeah, and no, I feel you. And you know, obviously historically the Lakers have had some great first round picks. I would say in the more recent past, the modern era. Um, our bread and butter has tended to be um, second round picks. Just like, I feel like we have a very good scouting department sure. and we do really well with uh, the second rounders. Um, so the, the Lakers at number 17 just took Jalen hood. Shafino um, seems to be a, that he was a pretty good piece of the Indiana team that the university of Miami go Canes uh, beat in the uh, uh, sweet, uh, sweet 16 round of 32. Um, Round of, oh, 32. round of 32 and then um all right the women uh beat uh indiana's uh, women as well as uh, back-to-back yeah. days um yeah. same weekend so that was really who's fun your daddy <laughs> yeah all right who's your i like it i like it <laughs> hey dads are you tired of the same evening routine dinner maybe some playtime with toys that get left everywhere brushing teeth and then bed Next time, pull out a Wongo puzzle and do something different that you and the kids will enjoy together. Wongo is the perfect balance of a good challenge without being so hard that you stop talking to each other and leave your family forever. Trust me, once you try Wongo, you'll never go back to a boring old jigsaw puzzle. They're 100% wooden puzzles. They'll last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same, and you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it.
They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. With stunning designs and unique shapes, Wongo puzzles are a cut above the rest. I'm partial to the animal designs like the sea tortoise and the elephant because my kids get excited about them even more. It was great to pull out a puzzle and be done in a night and not have to have it on the table for a week. Forget about it. Maybe get fruit pieces all over it or something like that. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com, pick your puzzle today, and be sure to use the promo code WOTDP to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed or your money back. Go to W-O-N-G-O puzzles.com and use the code WOTDP to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. Anyway, um, so uh, Alex, I'm going to propose something to you. Um, I feel like we kind of both talked about wins and losses just like via basketball. Um, So to avoid running super long, should we just get into, uh, should we just get into the show? Yeah, yeah, we we should we can just get into the show um, because today we I don't know did you mention this earlier but today we're I, actually I talking about mental health. We jumped straight yeah. into the. You said how are you doing? And I was like, <laughs> I'm fired up because this is the only time that my team makes headlines for anything remotely positive <laughs> in this arena, right? But mental health is what we're yeah. talking about, and as you can tell, mine around NBA basketball is not very great. What is that that you want to say? Like, I feel like the NBA as like sports go in like my hierarchy of things I care about, like the NBA is really low. Part of that is being a Hornets fan. Sure, I feel sure. like we talk about it more than anything. Like we were talking about the NBA playoffs a few episodes back and it's just the time of the year, right? Yeah. And, and, and just like I, once we got this uh, podcast off the ground and yeah, also and the NBA playoffs are a really time. long time, you know? It's right. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the playoffs last forever, and obviously it's draft night, but I'm like, man, you know, I talk about the NBA a lot on this show compared to how much I talk to it, talk about it at all uh, so, compared to everything. But guys, get ready for college football season because I'm sure Ethan and I will have some Lots of highs and lows. Yeah. Um, and I'm with, I'm with you too, Alex. You know, I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a Lakers and Dodgers fan, but ultimately, like, I don't really care so as much about pro sports as I used to. I just love college sports so much more. Sure. Um, even though there's like this new professional element in NIL, like I don't really care. It's still like there's still school spirit. There's still emotion. It's sure. there's still imperfections. It's just it's just more fun to watch. And yeah. you can't beat March Madness. Like if in my perfect scenario, the East-West nonsense um, of conferences and especially in the NBA would go away. And the 16 teams that make the playoffs would get seeded one to 16. You can still have playoff series, but like, it'd be, you know, like who cares geographically where a team is? Like I would much see some kind of like, if they could find a way, a perfect mold of the NCAA tournament, but also have playoff series or, you know, um, are there, there's 30, yeah, there's 30 teams in the NBA. Um, So it'd be cool. Maybe if they did like a, Full on every all thirty teams make the turn make a tournament, and then once you get to the final like sixteen, you get into series. I don't know. Well, I'm brainstorming. Here. Yeah, this- but you you could run into some scenarios where a team like sure. the Spurs or the Hornets or one of these atrocious teams 
just jumps up and catches the Lakers on a bad day in the first really? round. Well, like, could you like, imagine the winning the tournament is an atrocious way to find the best team in the nation. Sometimes it doesn't. Like I think this sure. year, like you could easily make the case that UConn right. was the most talented team in the country, right. but you have plenty of years where you've got like Butler as like an eight seed or a five mm-hmm. seed making the finals. And you're like, they play but great. Really- they deserve yeah. to be there under the constitution of how, how everything's constructed. They are probably not one of the, best team sure but but it's and and that's fine like but we also as a society have done away with best based on like rankings that's why like we no longer declare football champions just based on the ap poll i mean you can sure. make an argument that the english premier league does it best where you know you got the point system yeah. you got the most points but like just imagine this before we get into <laughs> for our second attempt to get into mental health uh just sure. imagine this you have a team like the spurs who were terrible this year, but they go on a run in this like insane, um, insane tournament that starts off a single elimination, and then they end up winning four series in a row. And you then get yeah. the first, you win the NBA championship, and then you got the first round pick. That'd be but insane. You would, you would get the thirty second pick. You would no, actually no, 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 no. In my in my scenario. Whatever oh your God, seat is, one through thirty, go. Wait, uh, uh, we're going down a really bad rabbit hole. We, we are going <laughs> down the rabbit hole because yeah. I have so many thoughts that I need to leave on the table. Yes. of like why that's terrible. But yeah, yeah sure, um, sure. I am looking forward to the draft being over. Last thing I'll say, yeah. I'm looking forward to the draft being over and focusing back on baseball because, as a Panthers fan and a Hornets fan, who have combined first round pick total of three. Because of being awful this year, I'm actually a Braves fan, and they are phenomenal. Go Braves. Sure. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, serious mode. We are talking about uh, mental health. And yeah. um, I'm going to – sports tears your mental health apart. No. Ex- We're talking exactly. in general. In general. Yeah, and and – I'm not going to speak for Alex, but I have a feeling he, like me, is also going to get pretty serious um, and open and personal about um, his own mental health journey like I am. So um, I want to say that um, I have been on and off in therapy for a little over um, a little over three and a half years. Um, I am uh, I work for the uh, federal government. And there is a program called the Employee Assistance Program, which is made available to all federal employees. Um, it covers mental health and some other things you may need, um, at least your first six sessions. And then like the insurance you have is supposed to take over from there. But, um, in, at, in September of 2019, two months away from, uh, my first daughter being born, um, I was definitely on edge and I was losing my temper. Um, it was never anything like I wasn't getting like physical or anything, but my wife eventually just had to say to me, um, you, ju- you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody because yeah. clearly I'm not helping you. So talk to somebody. And, um, so I called the EAP, um, employee assistance program. Sorry. I wasn't, couldn't remember if I defined the acronym, but getting EAP. into federal government <laughs> mode. Yes. Yeah, acronyms. So, um, called the line and, um, you know, they found me a, a therapist that was actually walking distance, uh, from my house. Um, so I was meeting with him, uh, once a week. And then after those, uh, first six sessions, 
I wasn't getting billed, neither was my insurance. So that was kind of cool. Um, and it, I actually was feeling a lot better uh, going into um, having a baby. Took a couple weeks off because I wanted to be devoted to the baby. Um, yeah. Then, then COVID happened and we switched to virtual and he's old. So then he left it, left the company and I was like, not, yeah, I thought he was retiring and I didn't want to buy or I didn't want to take the time to like find a new therapist, but then he opened his own business. So I'm back with him and I'm now down to every two weeks, but essentially for everyone else, I, Ethan have been going uh, to virtual therapy for three and a half years and you know what? That's okay. And yeah. it is something that is not easy to, to start doing. It is not something, or for me, um, and it wasn't that I was like against therapy. There's just a, there was a point where I realized I needed it. And, mm-hmm. and I think for me was, I wasn't feeling like myself in that I have always been, had a reputation of just kind of being like friendly and happy and very, very personable. Some people might find me annoying, but they cannot deny that I am like at least approachable. Um, Magnetic. Yeah. But um, I wasn't that person for a while. And, you know, I, I wanted to be again. And I'd like to think, I'd like to think I'm there. Although I will say the pandemic overall has made me rather like just jaded in general, but I think I've got, I, I think, I think I'm back to normal on a pandemic curve. Uh, with regard yeah. to my uh, approachability. Yeah. But I do want to say that um, before I, I kick it to you to talk about, you know, to brief everybody on your mental health journey, that um, there's no right time to go to therapy. But what I will say in hindsight is start going to therapy before you need it. You know, like yeah. make it a thing. Just like, Enjoy, find somebody, formalized or not, uh, virtual or in person, uh, find somebody that you are comfortable talking to where you're, you've got the time dedicated on your schedule and you're really just beginning to open up in ways that you're not used to before you need to. And I could go back and tell, uh, my younger self that I would have told myself the moment I got, uh, insurance being a uh, employee of the federal government because it's good insurance. Um, I would have started going to mental uh, to therapy long before I needed it, so that I yeah. might not have gotten to the point where I did. So I'm going to kick it to you, yeah. man. Yeah. So i I don't have that one moment mm-hmm. that I think was like I need therapy or someone else telling me that I needed to go to therapy. I have had two, I don't want to call them bouts, but two periods of my life where I've gone to therapy. The first, when I was young, I was about five years old. It was shortly after my parents had gotten divorced. And I don't remember if there was actually, you know, cause I'm pretty young. Memories are somewhat hazy there, but I don't remember if there was actually something that my parents saw in me where I needed therapy or if it was just one of those things where they were like, we got divorced. And so we should send him to a family therapist to make sure he's processing it. My parents like split up and got divorced when I was like three or four. So 
as far as I remember it, there are two possibilities, right? There are two possibilities. Either I was too young to really process it. And then by the time I started processing things, my life was just with two separated parents was just the norm or the therapy worked really well. And I don't remember how. (laughs) Uh, So those are the two possibilities. But then the second time I started going to therapy was about a year ago, little less than a year ago. Maybe it's 11 months. I don't have the exact date in front of me. But what happened was there wasn't some singular moment, but I think as a result of the pandemic and a lot of dynamics changing in the world, there has been a renewed focus on people going to therapy and taking the stigmas out of therapy. Mm. Like I'm glad we're having this conversation, but I don't think – Thankfully, I don't think we're actually breaking new ground of telling people it's okay to go to therapy as much as say five years ago, it still felt very unmasculine to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. It still felt very much like hiding your feelings, keeping it in, solving your own problems was the way to be a strong emotional man in the traditional masculine sense of everything. And So I think there were some stigmas breaking down and I was like, I spent a long time saying, okay, do I want to go to therapy? Like maybe I should, maybe this is something I should explore. And kind of you were talking about, I was like, I don't know that I want, this is a service that I want to pay for. Yeah. I have insurance. I'm self-employed, but my wife, has employer sponsored health insurance. It cost me 25 bucks a visit. Mm-hmm. It's not bank breaking for what yeah. I get out of it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that for everybody, 25 bucks is nothing. I'm not saying sure. it's even chump change for me or anything like that, and- but it's worth it. But what was happening for me specifically is I was on social media a lot and I was seeing these things about going to therapy, going to therapy. But what I was also seeing more and more of were specific niche of influencers that were talking about ADHD as a a growing number of voices talking about adult ADHD. When we were kids, I don't know if you remember what ADHD was like when we were kids, but it felt like, you know, there were one or two kids in class that were always bouncing off the walls that were the problem students that couldn't stop talking this, that, and the other. And that was what in my mind ADHD was. So with me, it was, you know, I started seeing all these things of like, you know, this is what it's like having ADHD. And they would start listing off the things and I'm like watching it. And it's that sort of like light bulb thing where the first couple things you're like, Okay, yeah, but everybody does that. Mm-hmm. And then they keep going, and you're like, but everybody does that. And then you watch more of this type of content, and you're like, okay, I'm checking way too many boxes here. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm checking the boxes of really struggling to get going on projects sometimes, really struggling to wrap up projects sometimes, really struggling, you know, I'm not – super hyperactive. You know, I, 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 I don't have the H as much uh, manifesting physically in me bouncing off the walls and needing to walk around and need to move all the time. But I'm sort of like, okay, there are a lot of different things going on here. 
that I'm checking these boxes. So I went, the first thing I did, and it was a bad first move and I regretted it, is I actually went to, because like you, virtual therapy is very convenient, um, to sit in front of your computer and just chat with someone. I was trying to find what the first step would be in potentially getting diagnosed. And that led me to, through my health insurance portal, to psychiatrists, not psychologists, mm. not therapists, but psychiatrists. Um, and for those of you that maybe off the top of your head don't understand the difference, psychiatrists are the ones that they they can do some therapy things, but they are primarily solving things with um, drugs, they, prescriptions. They, they, went, they went to medical school, whereas a psychologist right. probably has like a master's or a PhD. I, I think, and I could be wrong, I think a psychologist, you can have a master's of therapy, but I think a psychologist does have to be a doctor, um, like a PhD doctor. Um, uh, I, I could be wrong on that. Um, right. The person but, I see but, now is not a doctor. She is just a therapist. But mm -hmm. either way, the psychiatrist right. is the one who can write prescriptions yeah. and is often using those prescriptions yeah. to um, help you with whatever you're struggling with. So I saw a psychiatrist and they prescribed me because they couldn't diagnose me, right? They couldn't diagnose me or were unwilling to, or wanted me to go through, you know, you have to go through the different channels of like, you need to see a therapist or a psychologist to actually get a diagnosis. And then a psychiatrist can provide medical, Medication. you know, pharmaceutical treatments. Right. So I got, they did not want to give me a stimulant, right? There are, there are multiple ways to, treat ADHD, including non-pharmaceutical things. They did not want to give me a stimulant for a variety of reasons, including a lack of diagnosis. They don't want to just be handing out Adderall, Adderall, Ritalin. Those are stimulants. They put me on something called Stratera, which actually does something to block, um, block some other hormones coming through. Not um, Essentially, ADHD is a, is a lack of dopamine regulation mm -hmm. and a lack of dopamine production, but, um, Stratera works. It's, it, I think it's sort of used as an antidepressant in a lot of scenarios as well. And a lot of things like that. I took that for a little while. I was managing mm -hmm. my doses on that, seeing a psychiatrist, but the checkups were just like, how's the medicine working? Okay. Right. How's medicine working and getting a full on evaluation on ADHD like there are a lot of places around me. I don't live in a big metropolitan area like you. I have to go 45 minutes away to West Palm beach to approach that. And anything in my County was going to be $700 out of pocket. Most of these places weren't working with insurance that mm -hmm. could give me that evaluation. And eventually I just stopped taking the medication because it wasn't really helping me with what I needed. And I didn't have a diagnosis. And so I'm like kind of sitting there between a rock and a hard place. And that led me, to a therapist, uh, a psychologist, I believe. And she goes, she basically, she was this septuagenarian woman, maybe octogenarian woman. I go into her office, which is basically this abandoned floor in this office building. I go in her office. She sits down and talks to me. I explain all my problems. And she goes, yeah, sounds like you may have ADHD. And I can tell you right now what I'll tell all my clients. The cure is going to be you need to get a juicer, you need to adopt a vegan lifestyle, 
and you need to go 100% plant-based on everything. I was like, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> I walked out. <laughs> like she was the first thing that had come up under my insurance as like close by, available, could make an online yeah. appointment, all the convenience. So I wouldn't just like make it as easy as possible so I could go ahead and get it done with inside of 10 minutes because I knew if I left it, I would leave it for months. But I walked out of that office, I checked her like Google reviews and she had one star and like everybody that went to her, she was like, get a juicer, go on a vegan diet. That's the solution. Like I've been doing this a long time and that's what you need to do. And I'm like, yes, I think there are ways that you can eat a better diet. Maybe, you know, different foods have different effects on you. I'm not here to go through that science. Yes, sure. that can have an effect. I don't think that's the end all be all of treating any neurodivergent yeah. things. That led me to my current therapist who has five stars on Google. She's fantastic. And I've been seeing her for almost a year. And just a couple months ago, she actually, after all our conversations, officially did diagnose me. Not because she couldn't diagnose me before with ADHD, but just because we never really crossed the threshold. Because to this day, after I got off that Stratera, um, I am not taking any medication for it. I'm trying to use a lot mm -hmm. of other habits and tools to manage it. I am still considering medication, but yeah, it's, that's been my own personal journey is like, mm -hmm. I went into it like, Hey, something kind of feels off. I feel like I check a lot of these boxes. Am I making this up or is this a real thing? Um, and so I'm not telling everybody to go out there and try and like diagnose a problem. No, but going and talking to someone they may be able to help you say, okay, this feeling that you're having, maybe it is depression. Maybe it is ADHD. Maybe it is a number of other things that, yeah, you can put a label on and no, you don't necessarily, that doesn't mean, okay, now you got to start taking antidepressants or now you got to start taking stimulants to treat your ADHD, all that stuff. But talking to someone and not feeling like you're alone or wondering like it can help you live a better life or at least take a weight off your shoulders a little bit sometimes. Yeah. No. And that's, that's uh, great to hear just like the full path in which you got from yeah. point A to based on everything you said, point R. Maybe you're right now. Yeah. Who knows? And, um, but uh, as you know, like we, we talked about basketball, we went right into this. Uh, we didn't really talk about our kids and this is working on the dad pod, but if you want to be to me, if you want to be a good dad, you do have to prioritize your own health, whether that be right. mental health, physical th health. Uh, we talked a couple episodes ago about uh, prioritizing time for yourself and that's all part of mm -hmm. wellness. And yeah, you know, I think that that fits in really well with mental health is finding that time for yourself. Ab absolutely. And you know, be okay and generous with yourself about mm -hmm. talking about your problems. Um, right. I actually told my therapist before we started recording uh, that one of the reasons I wanted to do this was an extra layer of, um, I guess, like just another therapeutic avenue. And actually, Alex, mm -hmm. you, you and I are in a uh, uh, group chat with some other friends. And one of them told us the other day that uh, just listening to our daycare episode uh, was very therapeutic for him because he felt like he was screaming into a void. And then he heard our 
heard our episode and was like, oh, great. I'm not alone. So yeah, this whole experience is actually part of mine and Alex's, or at least mine, um, mental health journey in that mm-hmm. um, I feel like since I've started recording with you, man, that I've been, I feel like I've been a better dad. I still have my bad yeah. moments and I still um, raise my voice when I wish I shouldn't, which we talked about on a previous episode in wins and losses. And I'm, I'm still not fully, you know, the dad I want to be, but I know that talking with you and taking the time to do a little bit of pre episode research and really sitting down and thinking about stuff I want to talk about with you, um, has been really therapeutic and, um, yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I agree with that 100% that it makes me think about, you know, I'm almost working on trying to avoid as many losses. Like I almost, it feels like a win when I'm struggling to come up with a loss sometimes for our wins and losses segments. But I think for the dads out there, we, we talk specifically a lot about our therapy journeys as part of our mental health. And I think it's definitely something that everybody listening to this should explore. If you're not going to therapy, explore it. And by explore it, I don't mean jump right in with two feet. Look at how much it's going to cost you. Look at who's available. Take your time. The other things I would say, based on my experience and other people's experience, Mm -hmm. if you find yourself with a therapist that is not meeting your needs or you don't feel recharged, like do not feel obligated to stay with them, just like you wouldn't stay with a bad doctor in any other field. Like, don't feel obligated to stay with a bad therapist. But if you're not going to therapy, there are a ton of other things, as Ethan mentioned, showing up for your kids consistently with your best effort requires you being at your best as Mm -hmm. much as humanly possible. And so one hurdle that I had with going to therapy is that the, the time commitment. Yeah. We talked about taking time for ourselves. We both struggle with the idea of spending money on ourselves. So one, I'm spending money to make myself better mentally, mm-hmm. but I'm also spending the time. Right. And luckily I am afforded the opportunity as someone who is self-employed to have the ability to go to a biweekly appointment in the middle of a, a weekday and, mm-hmm. and not have severe repercussions from that. And it's close by. But I think if you are a dad who is not taking that time, five minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, that time taken to meditate, to read a book, to go for a walk with calming music on, something that will recharge you mentally will pay so many more dividends than pushing through because you don't have the time, mm-hmm. right? It, and- it, it, it can tear you down so much and when you take that time for yourself to mentally take care of yourself, you'll find yourself. I found myself, I, I, you mentioned it, that you were immediately seeing those dividends. I started seeing those dividends in how I showed up for my kids as well by taking different strategies for my mental health. Absolutely. And, you know, another, um, just another way to kind of conceptualize mental health um, before we wrap up is, um, you know, this, um, I am not from Missouri, but I'm a big fan of their former secretary of state, uh, Jason Kander. Um, he's someone yeah. I really look up to. He's got a couple books. His most recent is about his own mental health journey. I'm just going to plug it. It's called invisible storm. I listened to it on audible it was excellent. Um, 
But what his therapist told him, and I want to repeat to all of you, is that just like any other kind of getting into shape, whether it be physical, mental, getting into mental shape is also just like a muscle. You can't just go to therapy once and expect that you're going to be better. Or you can't just go on one walk. You can't just listen to one song, song music yeah. one time. Like you have to be repetitive and get your mind right the same way in which like you can't do one push up. You've got to do push ups every day. You can't go jogging once. You've got to do, or not every day, but you got to come back and you got to get to it. Right. Um, right. So you think if, if you're having, if you're having trouble, whether you are still, as Alex touched on earlier, five years ago where it's not manly to go to therapy, it is really manly to work out. Right. So think of it as a workout. Think of it as you are trying to improve the physical shape of your mind, whether that be Mm -hmm. therapy, whether that be going for a walk, listening to music, whether that just be um, anything you want. You got to find the time for you. It's got to be regular and it's got to be repetitive. Um, That is the only thing I would push from this episode as my own like challenge to you, the listener. I would also say be honest with yourself on top of that, because I think there are a lot of, we talked about the stigmas around men going to therapy as an unmanly thing for them to do. And I think you have to be honest with yourself. Like I spent a long period of my life, you know, I'm, I'm 34 years old. I didn't get diagnosed with ADHD until I was 34 years old. I spent a long period of my life, like, sort of thinking that, again, I was not bouncing off the walls. I didn't get extra time added to tests. In fact, I was the exact opposite. I was usually the first person to hand it in because I walked in and I was like, I know it or I don't. And staring at it's not going to change that. But there are a lot of things that I struggled with that I didn't have to struggle with because I wasn't asking the right questions or getting help in the right ways. And so I think even if you don't realize, I think there's two things that you could not realize that you're having a problem. You could also not realize you're struggling sometimes until you get on the other side of it. And you're like, oh my God, that was so much harder than I needed it to be. That was so much harder. Whatever that thing is, whether that's parenting, whether that's finding motivation at your job, whatever it is, like sometimes you get to the other side and you're like, wow, I really made my life harder just because I didn't want to do something different or step out of my comfort zone or go talk to a complete stranger. I I have a question for you. Yeah. So like with your therapy experience, you know, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty personal things you've talked about, but like, I, I will say this. I enjoy talking to my therapist. It is not for me like a lay down on the couch and cry and blame my parents kind of kind of thing, like the stereotypical thing you hear about. That that's not your experience, right? No, I mean, um, I, mean, I will say I, okay, but. no, I, I um I do I do sit on it on my couch just so that I'm not sitting on my de- at my desk as if I'm working. I try sure. to create that physical separation even though it is virtual. Um, yeah. every once in a while if I feel like holding my computer on my lap, I uh, or my iPad, I um I will lie down, but honestly, um, you know, you and I have very different therapists. Uh, I've told you there have been times I've been thinking about changing therapists. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I found something that like worked for us. My my issue is it, it involves me uh, being a little more proactive and coming with a list of things that I want to talk about and just having that some person that person there who is dedicated to me to listen to me and then mm-hmm. respond has been really helpful to me because right. I am taking the time to get things off my chest knowing that there's not going to be um, like my wife coming in with her own agenda into a conversation or sure. you or any of our other friends where he's just there to listen to me. And if he can, uh, if he can offer a different perspective that helps me great. And sometimes it's just nice. Older. Right. Yeah. And you know, um, sometimes I wish I had a therapist that was a little more, um, constructive in that, like they gave me homework and, um, some other stuff, but you know, it's, um, so far this has been working. And honestly, the, uh, I think therapy, uh, with him and, um, doing this podcast with you has been a solid, um, solid conversation. And of course, you know, um, I will say there are times, um, that I do mess up as a dad or times that my wife is also struggling and she follows a lot more of the, uh, parenting social media accounts than me and like big little feelings and, um, some of the other ones where, uh, I know that if she sends me a link from them, that it's paramount and important that I look at it, whether um, it's her kind of sharing what she's feeling or if yeah. it's her subtle way of being like, do this better. Um, yeah. So I will say, you know, there, the therapy journey isn't always you and a therapist. It isn't always the therapist telling you what to do. Sometimes no. it, the point is you have to take control of your own mental health journey. And yeah. Um, and also just, uh, we touched on it briefly, but, um, on this with regard to seeing a professional, um, we know that it can be cost prohibitive, um, for a lot of people, mm-hmm. not, not a lot of therapists, not all therapists take insurance and not all of them take your insurance most, sure. um, uh, most importantly. So, um, we do not want to be insensitive to anybody who sure. thinks that we're just able to afford it. Um, I still have a copay. Mine's manageable. Um, you know, same, same I, I, will, I will say this though, um, on that note, right? Like, so I think there are ways we've talked about therapists and obviously I've mentioned there are other things. There is actually a middle area and I know of such a group that I've never been to. It was something I considered before going to therapy and therapy sort of taking the place. But one thing you can always look into is sometimes there are, men's groups or dad's groups that are there to help you talk through your problems that are not a therapist and they're not a paid thing. Right. Um, and I know there was one, um, pre pandemic in my area that was like dads getting together. It was at a therapy office. The, the wife of the guy who led it was a therapist, but he wasn't. Um, and, just there to to talk through problems and sort of have that sounding board. And what it sounded like to me, and this is not to cast judgment or it's not a joke or anything like that. It sounded like an AA meeting, but for dads where you just, you got up and you, you, you talked about your feelings and you had a support group and it was mm-hmm. free to go to. And so yeah. it, it was not something that was like super Googleable, but if you have other male friends and you want to get together, like, 
or maybe it's not friends. Look for something like that too. Look for a group where you can talk about it in sort of the vein of like, this is a safe space. And what Mm -hmm. happens in this room, what's said in this room doesn't leave this room. Uh, And that can be another option to, because talking to somebody really helps, even if they're not necessarily a trained professional. So definitely look for those kind of outlets too. Absolutely. And just to offer one more outlet before we sign off, uh, keep in mind that uh, we are on social media. Uh, We do have an email address. Um, If you want to talk to us, we will absolutely talk back to you. That's what, that's why we're doing this. We are trying to uh, promote dads talking to other dads about being a dad, not necessarily about your kids, but about being a dad. This is, this this is everything we talk about on this show is stuff that we wish other people would talk to us about. So we're just taking the initiative to do it ourselves. Yeah, for sure. So if, if you're struggling with something, reach out to us. As we say in sort of our show description, a lot of stuff, we, we don't have all the answers, but sometimes that's a good thing because I think we can probably spend a lot of our lives telling people our problems and they're just trying to solve them for us. And sometimes we just need somebody to listen. So yeah, if you, if you need somebody to listen, if we have advice, we'll share it or we can point you in the right direction of where you might be able to look for it. Um, when we're doing the show notes for this one, we'll also try to include some resources on, you know, how you can find different things. Um, I want to do a little more offline research on this to, to give you guys some resources that, you know, aren't, aren't necessarily just going on your insurance site and finding a psychologist Mm -hmm. or a psychiatrist or therapist, um, because there, there are, there are resources out there, but they're not always as easy to find as I wish they would be. Couldn't agree more. Um, well, I, um, I'm actually, my computer's, uh, only got 10% battery left. So I think I'm just going to force us to end it. A uh, mental recharge. Yeah, exactly. So, um, for Alex, I'm Ethan. Thanks so much for tuning in and working on the dad pod with us. Uh, we'll see you next time. Or I should have picked Scoot. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for working on the dad pod with us. Any resources that we mentioned during the show will be in the show notes. If you have questions, thoughts, or just want to talk with us, the best place is in the comments on YouTube. We're on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Working on the Dad Pod, and on Twitter at Working on Dad Pod. Following and subscribing is always appreciated. Please rate and review us. That helps get the show to new people. And if you know a dad who would enjoy our show, sharing with them is a huge help to them and us. Have a great week.